All right, boys, we're back from our sabbatical. Did everyone enjoy their break? <laughs> it was a, uh, you know, I I won't say I will say much needed, but uh, I did kind of miss, you know, meeting every week and kind of talking with you guys just oh, about 100. soccer and everything. I, I was 100. missing that part of my life in the past two weeks. Yeah, this is a great company to work for. You know, <laughs> it was like twenty days PTO. Full benefits, 401k, all out of Silvio's pocket. Huh? I love it. Yeah, 100%. Out of pocket. Out of pocket. <laughs> no, but it was nice, though, because, like, you know, we we watch a lot of the games, and sometimes we can't, like, completely enjoy the game because we're, like, so locked in to trying to break down, uh, you know, all of the all of the analysis from the game. So it was kind of nice, especially with the Euros, too. Like watching some football where you could be a little like switched off and just kind of enjoy it for what it is instead of having to like, you know, analyze, analyze the game, um, you know, fully. But but we're back now and we just had some games this past weekend. And I think we're going to go ahead and start with Austin FC and their tie against San Jose Earthquake. Of course, this was their home opener. And man, just let's just, you know start with this how awesome was that atmosphere at q2 uh in austin's home opener you know i had i knew that the stadium was gonna be uh very intense very loud they were i knew it was gonna that it was gonna be up there but um just like even before the, the like every time that the team had come to warm up or they were going back in. And then before they were like, when they were even like walking out, it was just every time the fans were just screaming, yelling, doing the chants that like the supporter section was doing. It was just, it it impressed me, even though I knew it was going to be something, it was going to be pretty loud. It was still impressive how loud they were and for how, for how they were able to do it for the full game. So yeah, it was. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, the seats were amazing. Um, I think I think what really won me over personally was just um, how even though the seats were kind of not, they weren't like the closest. Mm-hmm. I still could very easily tell where like I could see the players, see who was where that's, I wasn't having to cool. squint or like I mean to us I feel it, it it reminds me of, and I, I I probably shouldn't do this because it's a other Texas team, but it reminds me of kind of like the Dynamo Stadium where like there isn't really a bad seat kind mm. of like you could kind of be meant to that section, <laughs> and you could and there's still pretty good seats. Um but no yeah it was very it was very awesome. Got beer, got some peanuts, um a little water too if I need a hydrate. It was quite hot out there as well. Um, but no, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I could it, I could just tell that the that the players were feeding off the energy that we were oh, 100%. that we were putting out there. You could tell that they were just running more, that they were kind of making that those those extra that making that extra effort or uh pressing with that extra effort or making those extra runs. Um so obviously um it is uh, promising to know that after this uh, this midweek game against uh, Minnesota, that they have a four four game home stretch, where it's just four home games back to back to back. So 
we're looking forward to see what they can pull out. But no, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a great experience. I will definitely be going back again this season. Just need to figure out when. It might be for the Dynamo game. Yeah, in that, October that would be a really good one. Uh, that would be a great one because I know there's some there'll probably be some Dynamo fans in the stadium yeah. going. You know, <laughs> the heck of that. I'm there. <laughs> Say less. Hey, um, I'm gonna be wearing orange in the sea of green. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess to kind of just give a gist of what I thought about the game. No, yeah, 100%. Uh, it was. I thought they they did they I they played with that energy that I've been talk I have been talking about for the past couple of weeks that I was that intensity that I was kind of talking about the thing that they were missing and I think they kind of got that confidence uh or kind of got that boost when the when they heard the fans getting into it i think that's what helped them get to reach that kind of level of intensity and in doing so i think it really helped helped them play better than they had in the past couple weeks um i think i and for me even though stuver if okay stuver yes i would give him player of the game because he did make some yeah. great saves yeah, um was, near the ba- near the back end i mean even in the first half there was a there was a chance where uh and, and obviously this these chances were coming off of it was either a counter-attack so it was kind of like a 2v2 with uh their attackers against ours or it was like a 1v1 and there were chances where like the san jose offense were they had they, they were one-on-one with the keeper and stufa had just made came out with a great save but yeah, but but a lot more in the back end of that second half. Um, he kind of was able to keep the clean sheet. But the player that impressed me the most, and I, dude, I'm telling you, I, I, I was seeing on the Reddit post that they're saying that he should probably come in as a super sub. But I mm-hmm. love watching Gallagher play on the left wing and just seeing him dribble. Even though there were many, there were like there were a lot of chances where. That last pass, he just kind of it was that it wasn't going in the right area. He was putting defenders on skates on the on that mm-hmm. left side and he was leaving mm-hmm. them in the dust. So he was able he was winning his one on ones, getting to that to that goal line on the on the opposing goal. And then it was just that last pass where he had to either it was either he either had to pass it near post or pass it, you know, kind of toward the center of the 18-yard box, and it was that last part that just kind of needed the finishing because it felt like every time they were getting to that point, that everyone stood up just waiting. Okay, he, he's going to pass to the middle, and then it's going to be a goal. And that happened so many times, and it just couldn't connect. We couldn't get a good enough shot off, or we couldn't even get the pass connected. So, But, no, it was still very – He was. it seemed like every time, like most of the time when the fans were standing up, to see a run being made, it was always by Gallagher, or Gallagher was always making the run, or he was getting past someone on the one v one. And I think he does well on that wing. I I like seeing him on the wing and having uh, Dominguez kind of playing on that central uh, role um, as a striker, kind of like a. He reminds he's Dominguez looks like he plays like kind of like a false nine, kind of comes to receive. Where's my contract? <laughs> Where's my contract? <laughs> yeah, you've been calling that for a while. We'll leave the. Where's my contract? Like it took Josh Wolf how many weeks? I called the week one though, like week two, week two, week two. I called the week two. Come on, dude. 
Dude, it is. It's sad too because Hose is not even on the bench. Like, yeah, he's that, not even it's, he team. hasn't. He, <laughs> who? Machek? <laughs> like, he hasn't been there. Like, in the in the actual like, um, team selection for a few games no. now, though, right? Like two or three now. No, I think it's it's been for like three. Yeah. I'm not as into the Austin stuff, but I believe it's not because of performance. I think he might have picked up a knock or something. I, mm. I saw I, I saw the striker Texas was writing something about it. I didn't go into detail. That could but. be that could be it. Uh, but well, uh, yeah, I ever, haven't I haven't read anything about it, but that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, ever since uh, they've been putting Dominguez at that center spot, it feels like they're they're getting better. I feel like they're getting better results than they are and performing better. As in, like in the past two weeks, they tied, they tied Seattle, where it was, um, I think it was, it was a zero zero one one. I think it was zero zero. Yeah, I think. And it then was... they ended up, um, they tied, was it, LAFC that they tied before this? I'm trying to figure out, but they, let me check. No, um, sporting, sporting. KC. Oh, sporting. sporting they ended yeah. up tying them one one. Um, so obviously, I think. A lot of the people going into that Seattle game thought that Austin. I mean, even I predicted that they were going to lose three um, one. So coming out with that zero zero line was probably better than anyone had yeah. thought. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they've just been performing. I feel like better with this kind of putting Dominguez in that striker spot. Um, but the one Call thing, it what it is, it's Oscar's lineup. Thank you. <laughs> also, I mean, like, this... like even when Hosen comes back, like quickly. Going back to Hosen, do you think he'd be like better off the bench than Manea or Mane or however you want to pronounce his name? Mm, no, like, I kind of like uh, Manea uh, off the bench. He brings like this energy and and fresh ability, legs, quick, yeah, ability yeah. to take on players and create stuff in the final third for for Austin, especially because what I've noticed watching a lot of the MLS, um, just to go on a quick tangent here, there's. I want to say poor game management. Also, in terms of fitness, a lot of these games, and we'll talk about it when we talk about um, the Houston game, but towards the end of the game, the last 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes, depending on the flow of the game, turns into like a back and forth. So I think it's important to have players off the bench that, given space in the final third, are good at creating goal-scoring opportunities. And I think Manea brings a lot of that to, uh, to the Austin squad. Yeah, and I think that that also goes into like a well, a lot of people were wanting, were like what they were wanting from, and like the and from Gallagher, they kind of liked him in that sub role, like coming off like being a super sub, coming in like sixty fifth minutes, stuff like that, because they think that like his quickness, like the like same thing with uh, Mane, was that like he offers fresh legs, quickness, you know. And that could be, uh, well, you know, used against tired legs, tired legs from a defense. Um, because I think a lot, a lot of what I was noticing was that I felt like Gallagher was getting gassed a lot in the second half. Like I found him not making a lot of the runs um, back and forward as often. Um, but I mean, still, I, I think you still keep Gallagher, and I don't think you move him to the bed. I think he's playing really well. Um, if they take yeah. Gallagher out, we riot. That's all I'm no, saying. no, yeah, I, I don't think you take him <laughs> out, and I and I don't think you even put Hosen in on the bench because I like the subs that they have. I mean, they have. I mean, they they're taking up two spots, two two spots on the subs for forwards. 
and it's Mane and Perez. And we saw both of them get subbed in for um, Stroud and Gallagher. Um, Stroud was the first one because I don't think Stroud had the best game that game. I yeah. kind of went on that first half. We were uh, we were sitting on that side that he was playing. And it, did, it just didn't seem that like he was getting his usual crosses off. They weren't kind of making it to the center box. They had a game blocked. And they were going for corners, but he wasn't. There were a few times where he was kind of making that run, but it was more of um, the attack was more threatening on Gallagher's side just because Gallagher had the he was he was he was beating players more often one v ones than Strada was. So he's the a lot MLS of times, messy. So no, dude. Okay, I'm switch. I'm switching. I'm switching the uh, comparison. It's not Butragenio anymore. It's Stoichkov. That's who he Stoichkov. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stoichkov. Stoichkov can play both striker and left wing, and uh, this man is literally Stoichkov, dude. Like it's insane. Apologies, but, apologies to no. the entire nation of Bulgaria <laughs> for, the, for the disrespect. What do you mean? What if, disrespect? If, if, you, you can't hate if you ain't seen Gallagher play. You know what I mean? They just need to see the men play one game. You'll see that it's a it's a fair comparison. Uh, a question for y'all, since we're talking about the winger, like the wing play. You know, mm-hmm. what I think I think Strad, like like Javi mentioned, it was a little bit not of a miss, but like not, far from his best, right? Yeah. But if you notice, there were a few plays, not necessarily crosses, but like. Where like it was like a, a numerical advantage in favor of Austin. You had like Fagundes running in, You're joining those three You're those three strikers, mind. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like he just saw them make a poor decision, right? Like yes. there was one where Fagundes could have easily gotten the ball, and because he was running through, but instead yeah, they was, went the opposite he was, side. He was running in behind the half space, and mm-hmm. the fullback on gallagher's side was kind of stuck in between no man's land and fagundas had like a free run but he opted to cross it into i think dominguez maybe yeah um, yes yeah i get what I, you're I think i remember i, I remember that because i remember seeing fagundas reaction was like yeah what the hell like, i was right here he got so mad I, I, i'm pretty sure it was, i think it was gallagher who also too played that fast. yeah it was it happened like three three times not all like, it exactly but it was the same lot. it was the same like gist you know yeah so from y'all's perspective like to me they were they're a little bit rushed when they're on the ball in the final third like before at the beginning of the season i think they fixed it significantly because like we saw like really random long balls to Hosen, right? Like mm-hmm. in terms of like crossing, like either like deep crosses or long balls. That is pretty non-existent because you have Gallagher and Stroud making plays, right? But now when you get to the final third, you have the numerical advantage. You still have the same problem where they're rushing it a little bit too much, you know? Like the to to y'all's perspective, do they just need to take more time on the ball even in those situations or or is it more of like a system that maybe Wolf can try to fix. Look, I I think offensively, Austin as a team has, you know, started to click a little more recently. But of course, like you're pointing out, it's just not quite there. I mean, yeah, like we saw them inches from scoring in many occasions, like Figundis's uh, chip header. Um, Even Stroud had like a vicious shot from distance. Um, But I, I think it's something that personally, or... I, th- I personally think it's something that falls uh, on the player, not the manager. I don't think there's something in the system that is... Um, okay, to get into those positions, the system needs to work. So if they are in those positions, then obviously the system's working. I, I don't think you can coach 
too much um, for players to score. I think that just comes from the quality and the chemistry the players have together. So I just think it's something that that the players will need to, uh, I don't know, develop through even more experience playing together. I think um, because other than that, I don't I don't know how you can really train these situations because in training, sure you can set up simulations for like for an example that play with Figundes, but you really won't know. Um, how you'll react when you're like under that pressure of an actual game. So I just think it's something that, that the players really need to bring it from themselves and, and just improve, uh, in not only the quality of their key passes, but also their finishing. So like from your perspective, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you, if you're Wolf, how do you communicate that? Because I completely agree with your take that, you know, once you're in the final third, the the system has already worked if you got that far, especially mm-hmm. with a numerical advantage or something of that sort. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's up to the player. I do see though. So when they're playing, or they're playing off the ball, whether it be in the defensive third or the mid third, Austin's a very high tempo team, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they carry that high tempo even when they're in the final third, right? So how do you switch that off from your perspective? Uh, because like other teams. And uh, you know it's not maybe not a fair comparison, but like like look at the top European team that used to counter. Like, let's say like I don't even know. Pick a team, Sylvie. Who do you think's good at countering? You know, I don't mm. want to say club because you're gonna hit me. So no, it's fine. <laughs> kind of putting me on the spot here, but I'd say even Inter. Inter at moments Inter. is pretty good at counterattacking. They have a very good, uh, very good uh, counterattacking style at times. So I agree completely. They're so fluid with it because there's so much like talent that mm. is worth millions. Whereas Austin love all the players. They're not the same quality, you know, Yes. because big difference between Inter and Austin FC in terms of, yeah. terms of just <laughs> everything. Just, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to get to that point where they can be so fluid so quickly, at least not season one. Right. Yeah. And although the past two games have been significant improvements for Austin where they tied away against Seattle, who's the only unbeaten team so far this season or like to the state. And they, they tied a very tough side at home. Like these home matches, they need to start winning if they want to make the playoffs. It discussed in previous podcasts, you know, their away record was pretty much better than everyone else's away record, but they would need to at least, get on par on the home record if they yeah. wanted to be competitive, right? And if they ca- if they just keep getting ties and if they don't figure it out offensively, like you mentioned, it's going to be kind of like a Lucci situation where, like, maybe it's not a system issue, more of a player issue, like, team chemistry-wise. But, like, what does Wolf need to do or what does the team need to do from your, perspe- from your perspective to fix things quickly? Or do you think it's just, like, waiting it out and see... Uh, I know, like we had discussed, maybe like adding in some players. I know that's the strategy Austin had in the summer. Uh, and if so, like, who would you bring in, like, position wise, maybe not player wise, but like, what what are y'all's perspective on like what should happen in the next month, month or two for, from the team side? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. We're going to bring, I'm going to bring this up, which we have on this podcast for like a hundred times already. But I think they do need, if you want to call it, quote-unquote, a true number nine, 
or you can simply put it as a goal scoring threat you know a player with a record of consistently finding the back of the net i'm sure you have um, players like Tomas Pochettino, Diego Fagundes, Cecilio Dominguez, you know, they create plenty of opportunities like we're talking about, but they just aren't players with the profile of consistently putting the ball in the back of the net. And I think that might be one of the reasons why these opportunities go to waste. Um, I think the easiest solution, right, is to, or the the question here is how much money Anthony Precord and friends will spend during the summer transfer window. Uh, I think it opens July 7th. I might be wrong on that, but um, I think targeting a proven goal scorer, if Austin does decide to bring in some reinforcements at the striker position, could kind of help alleviate this burden of, you know, poor final third efficiency. And in a way, could allow players like Pochettino, Fegundes, Dominguez, who are more creative in nature than like goal scoring threats to not have that, have that burden lifted from them because I do think they carry it a little bit. Um, and I think that way, you know, not, not forcing it or not always going for, for a goal, which I think what they're trying to do is compensate. So they're being a lot more direct. For example, in the, I think the Stroud or Gallagher pass we're talking about, he wanted to go for like the straight shot, you know, because I think they, they carry a little bit of that burden. So I think having a player there, not only to score goals, but also lift the burden from the more creative players will allow Austin to be a little more efficient in the final third. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Javi? I th- yeah, so I think in the in the case that you had brought up where like it seemed that Austin FC was look like it was rushing things, I think and I I had kind of talked about this too when I was talking about where it seemed like a lot of the time or most of the time actually, um it was that final pass when in the box was kind of messing it up. Um and you brought up a great example where it was John Gallagher, uh, or one instance was John Gallagher had Fagundes right there open in the in the in the eighteen yard box, and um, he just had to kind of play that ball. But instead, he played it far back post to Jared Shaw, and it was kind of, and it kind of overshot him. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone in the stands kind of knew, like, oh, you have Fagundes right there. We also we also saw it too, but obviously, they like the players don't know yet. Probably, I I think. It could have either been like just um, excitedness from like getting that opportunity and not being composed enough to kind of know that either listen to like what's going like listen to the players around them rather than just just knowing oh like we know I know if someone someone's gonna be back posted just where I get that pass but maybe he didn't anticipate for Fergalness to be right there in the eighteen yard box so I think it was just a mixture of a lot of things why those passes weren't that why those the right passes weren't being made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll just be things. Uh, it'll, it'll just kind of be, the, uh, there'll have to be this built, this chemistry that will have to be built over time in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. these next four home games will be vital to that. It'll kind of help them. They'll have the fans behind them. And then they'll also be, because uh, I know you say you had brought up that you want to kind of like maybe we brought the idea of maybe bringing in new players, stuff like that, mm-hmm. or like maybe like bringing in like, uh, like bringing in a new player at the forward uh, one weekend, maybe bringing in a new midfielder, a different dynamic. 
starting eleven, but I think if they stick with this team, like if they stick with this starting eleven, um, for the next, I would say for the next four games, I think they'll be able to build that chemistry, and I think it's gonna pay off for them. I think they'll be able to come come. I'm gonna say they're gonna they won't come they won't come away in those four home games. They probably won't come away with more than they less than one loss. So they'll probably get they'll probably only have one loss in those home games. I'm saying. I, I think it's gonna pay off for them. I think once they start where the run where the players will make the runs, where the players will be when they're when they're attacking like that, um they'll know they'll be able to know where to play the pass, where when they won't have to look up all the time. Um but also I think to kind of go off what you were saying how it seems like they rush a little too much sometimes in that sense i think they need to kind of learn that like you don't always have to go i guess fast paced forward when you get to that point mm-hmm. like you can always kind of if you don't if you don't if you don't see or you don't hear that there's players open um obviously you won't know like the players will know unless they look up but i think some of the times they weren't looking up at times with to see where they needed to play the ball. Um then they they then uh they will know okay if the opportunity's not there, if the if the pass isn't there, let me just work it back. But I think a lot of times, especially on Stroud's side, when he wants to yeah if, if he were to kind of play it back, Lima's already in front of him. So I feel like there's always this pocket of space that a midfielder should have been in and for most cases they weren't because both of them were in the box and no one was kind of at the top of the box or kind of like near that space that Lima would kind of be in kind of not like all the way to the halfway line, but kind of someone to help support that run that player who was already forward. Um, And I feel like there wasn't, there wasn't always that other option, that safe option uh, for those players, you know, for when they were, on the counterattack. So I think that's another reason why um, for a lot of times when they would go on the counterattack and they would just, it seemed like they would just make the worst decision, whether it be like taking the shot when obviously they're, they could have, they could have held possession, kind of hold up play and kind of keep possession. Cause it was kind of funny seeing that like Austin didn't have the possession. They had like 49% possession there. Mm-hmm. They had 50, like 50.9 or something like that. And I was thinking like, well, like if you want to play like such a possession, you know, you want to, you want to dump. Cause I was reading an article talking about like how Josh Wolf wants to play. And he was talking about how he wants his players to play and how they, you know, want to kind of break down the, this, this is what he has said. in yeah. like, in the athletic article where like, he kind of wants to break down the opponent by just passing around them and playing very attacking football. But I think, there's a way you can play both, but I think right now it just kind of seems like very fast, like counterattack football. Whereas, like if you want to be very possession kind of football team, you need to kind of know when to pick your moments, you know, when to make that risky pass or when to, you know, let's kind of work it back and let's kind of work it around uh, the middle third of the field. So I think uh, to address those issues, they're scoring um, demons, whatever. They need to kind of I think the next couple of games, next couple of games, kind of help build that chemistry amongst the squad. Um, 
amongst the starting 11. Um, but also, I think they just need to learn. To, they don't always have to go forward. You can always, you know, work it back. But they have to be able, there has to be players there to be able to work it back. There always has to be support for them, yeah. um, which I think is something that I've I've talked about in the past couple of weeks. I feel like there isn't always that. It was something that I talked about when they were kind of trying to get out of the press, but now it seems like it's something that it's something that they're dealing with in that final third where they need someone, they need that second option, um, the kind of some, somebody to play that safe ball and to play it back and you know just kind of work the ball around. Yeah, in that middle to the, there third. does seem to be this kind of fascination with progressive passes and verticality in the MLS. I've noticed uh, this season, and it's funny that Wolf. You know, that's interesting, that article. You said it was by The Athletic, Bobby? The Athletic wrote that that article? Yes. Yes, yeah. I'll send the link in the Discord. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's interesting, though, because um, the way Wolf p- puts it out, you want to break teams down through passing, but it seems like he's really trying to break down teams, at least what we saw last game, is trying to ex- exploit space. Um. So I I don't know what that that could be a system problem right there. I mean, he could be someone that's in I I haven't really <clears throat> read up on his reactions or his press conferences after games, but it it does seem like a team that just wants to get the ball in the box as quickly as possible and see what happens. And like we've said, they don't like just looking at your the quality of your players, they don't have someone that can just you know, poach the balls in the in the box and just slot it into the back of the net. They have, you know, more creative players that want to play with the ball. Um, so playing to the strengths of the quality of your players, it would make sense for you to try to, in the final third, pass the ball around and have your more creative players take on a player. Um, you know, make these make these phantom runs to create space for. Uh, Cecilio Dominguez to get the ball on the edge of the box and curl one in, things like that. But um, I, I do think that as the as the season continues, as they've done so far, their chemistry will keep improving. Uh, you know, as far as they aren't getting you know mixed signals from from their gaffer on the on the sideline. That that you know what he says and how they play almost seem. I want to say contradict like they're contradicting itself sort of. I don't know if you agree with that Javi like he says he wants to play this way and the team plays a completely different way when you actually watch them. Um I mean that yeah. could be up to, you know, a lot of things, but you you would think by now what nine games into the season you'd see a little more consistency between the games and what he says how what he says um or how he says he wants to play and how they actually play. Um, so that could be maybe some cause for concern. But with that said, again, chemistry could definitely fix, you know, their final third woes. And it also could be the fact that maybe bringing someone in um, could help. Whether that play comes uh, domestically or internationally, that remains like up in the air. <clears throat> third designated player. But I guess I guess time will tell. Uh, I mean, look, they're doing they're doing fairly well, I think, with the players they have. And I mean, I'm interested to see how how they continue. I definitely think you know the goals will will come sooner than later. 
But um, I think I think you talking a little bit more about the system is a little more interesting for me because I definitely see some gaps between what the manager is saying and the actual, you know, product on the field. Hey, hire me. I can fix it in two weeks. <laughs> I, I find, I did find it interesting. Well, this is kind of it's kind of going into the topic of uh, their um, who they're going to get for their third uh, DP. Mm-hmm. Their um, um, I guess who was the it was Claudio Reyna had talked about that their pop that. That they're that they're definitely going to be signing a third designated player, and he'll probably he'll more he will be an attacker. Mm. Uh, he did say, um, but they're also going to be looking to get a defender um, as well, like a, a, another defender. That's not a bad idea. Summer transfer because window. they do have you know I think they do have uh, I think limited options back there compared to other places. Sergio Ramos to Austin FC. <laughs> Well, okay. Messi the office FC? Uh sources. Hey, Sucking like it. Sources. sources. Uh the final third. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we just lost all legitimacy. No, so the, no, he's <laughs> no this he, no, this is this is what this is what Arena has said when he was talking to to uh, one of the um one of the newspapers in Austin. He says uh, we're very active and looking for additions to the team in the summer. There's been players that we've been speaking to already, and it's an important last piece of the team. But an important addition, <laughs> he said, or not last pieces, but an important addition to the team for what we're looking for. Um, so we're competing, um, and sometimes that means that the prices are driven up. Um, we're adding, we're going to be active in adding a third DP, and it's and it's also. We'd also like to add another player in attack as well. Um, so actually, and it, and I was wrong about defense. It's not going to be a defender. It's going to be another piece in the midfield, is what he says. Our focus is to add another piece in the midfield and just add more attacking threat into the team. Hmm. So, this is from uh, this was from the K you see over there in Austin FC mm-hmm. uh, in Austin, um, but. Yeah, so I supposedly they've already been talking to players, trying to, uh, trying to I guess to get them to come over here in yeah. the summer. So it's it's good to hear that they're already already doing that process and that they're already kind of starting that. To, I guess they want to do it probably sooner rather than later in the transfer window. Yeah, I think Claudio Reyna is a smart man, and you know, as a sporting director for Austin, I think I think he'll do, he'll do a good job, and obviously he's doing his due diligence, um, trying to set things up. Uh, before the the transfer window opens um, so there's no you know delays or you know maybe uh, things like that mis- fall through the miscommunication cracks. Yeah, or something like that things that fall through the cracks and whatnot but anyways I think we're gonna go ahead and move forward here quickly Austin are now 10th place with nine points out of nine games and you know funny enough they're only three points away from a playoff spot right now um, I was with, just looking at that too. Yeah, with their That's long road insane. trip over. Um, I mean, I did. I think they do have one game, an extra game played than like most of the Western Conference. Uh, but even then, I mean, they have a chance of sneaking into the playoffs if they can figure things out in the final third. Now that they have a few home games in a row, I mean, look that ro- long road trip would 
you know, be a big burden for any club in the MLS, um, let alone a, a franchise, uh, a, a franchise in their expansion season. So, I mean, you know, again, if they can figure things out in the final third, I wouldn't be surpri- surprised if Austin uh, um, sneaks into sneaks into the playoff spot later this season. But now Austin will square off against Minnesota United on the road Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central time zone. Um, I don't think we're going to go too much into a preview, but quickly, if you guys want to give score predictions for the game, that could be fun maybe to look back on. I'm going to say Austin wins 2-1. 2-1 to Austin. Oscar? My boy John Gallagher is going to score three goals. I'm going to win 3-0. Write it down. Write it down. All right, I'll write it down. I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. I watched Minnesota this last week with Dallas, and I think that, you know, with Reynoso back in the starting squad, if he does start, it might be a little tough for the Austin defense. But uh, but who knows? I I, I think this is like their last road game before they get like their four games um, at home. So, yes, I mean, if they can rescue a point, that'd still be a, you know, relatively positive result for them. We're low-key the biggest Minnesota fans. We rate them so highly. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Block. And, they're, and they're like two places 11th below 11th place. Yeah. They're the most under, like, the, the, like they underperform, like, way worse than every other yeah. team in the league. I mean, they were Western Conference finalists last season. Like, I don't think it's... You know, it's the coach. Pull me in. Okay. All right, I got you. <laughs> All right. Moving on. LA or Houston Dynamo were on the road in Los Angeles and tied 1 1 to LAFC. Um, they were looking to steal a point from LAFC, but both teams fresh off the international break. Um, and in typical Dynamo fashion, they grinded their way to a draw, which honestly is a pretty good result given the circumstances, Oscar. Look, Todd Bramos is doing what he can, what he's been given. I give, stand. Give Ramos, give him, Ramos you know LAFC. I mean? He's second or first in the Western Conference. Easy, a hundred percent. I, I, easy. I, easy. I think he's the most underrated coach in the league. Uh, I, I, I saw a lot of slander because this was his first. Like, put them in jail. Quotes. I would say his first like <laughs> top division because he was a U twenty. Yeah, you know, so it's professional, but it's you know, not the same. Anyways, he's done really well. They against LAFC, they played exactly. It was like, in my opinion, the same game as the one we saw earlier in the season yep. where Moneyball Pasher uh, tied up the game. Now it was a uh, El Matador of Ruti as Silvio has basically. To red me to call him. No, you forward. said you didn't like the nickname. Don't lie to the people. Yeah, but Oscar. you. Hey, do you, want me, do you want me to show the text? You literally said if I don't like, call him and Matador Ruti, like I'm out, I'm out of the podcast. So. I did not say that. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. I'm not even gonna say anything. Go ahead. Hey, hey, we back. I got a bull. You know. Come on. Dude. This man preferred the Argentine Andy Carroll over El Matador. I can't believe this man. The disrespect dude, no, of the routine. Hey, that's I can't hilarious. believe it. I can't believe it. I'm howling. Anyways, like, there's like, I've said this a thousand times. Tal Bramos has put a clear system, he gets the most out of his players. 
the team just has limitations. Yeah. Uh, but I want to touch on two things though. I, I would like to formally apologize on my Derek Jones slander after his first game. Okay. I, I do want to say my, like on the very first podcast we ever made, I did say Todd Ramos might get the best out of Derek Jones who has not had the best career since his U20 days. He's clearly done that. I jumped the gun after his first game, which in my opinion wasn't very, con- you know, I, I wasn't sold on it, but the man, the man is literally uh, Conte, Patrice Fierro. Like the man, he's menacing. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I'd be scared to go up against Again, him. Apologies, and- apologies to the nation of France. All right, dude. And then, (laughs) all right, all right, dude. And then, like, his technique, I would say, isn't, like, the best out of, like, the the Houston Dynamo midfielders, but it has progressively gotten more consistent towards not, like, an issue, which which is what we saw game one. So, in their next game, uh, right now they're seventh in the league. Well, in the Western Conference, Western, yeah. 12 points. They have a little bit of wiggle room, basically a three-point wiggle room yeah. to stay in that place so they can lose the next game. And because of goal difference, like it wouldn't and, be the and, end of the world. And games played because a, game. a, few, a few of the like teams chasing them, I think, have like an extra game played too, maybe. Cor- correct, yes. Yeah. LAFC has a... Has a Okay, so San Jose has an, has a game is a game ahead, so they're mm-hmm. like not a worry. LAFC is a game behind. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, Vancouver, FC Dallas are a game behind, so I don't think they catch up to Dynamo. It's really Austin. Austin could catch them up on points, but given the scoreline, they'd be basically neck and neck. Yeah. And just given the projections that were given earlier this season, I think that's a win for the Dynamo, even with a loss. But I mean. I, I do think they have a chance of winning next week. Um, they're going to play Portland, which in my opinion was probably the worst performance of the season uh, so far. Yeah. And I don't even think it's like, like they came out with the wrong system. Like they did against Colorado that the, the time, like where Ramos like basically rotated the whole squad. It was just like an off night for the team. Yeah. Also, I, it kind of scary mm-hmm. too, to point that out that it was the worst performance um, of the Dynamo this season. I think that's fair to say, but it came the last time we saw kind of a quick turnaround fixture. Remember, they played mm-hmm. Sporting KC midweek and then played Timbers. I want to say Saturday, that next Saturday, mm-hmm. and we're kind of seeing that you know tomorrow against Timbers. So hopefully that doesn't repeat itself. Um, but like you pointed out again, you know, a little bit of that squad depth could be the one thing that kind of holds them back this season. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I, I hope to see pretty much the same squad again. Like, I, I like the starting lineup. I like the assistant. Um, I like if if you were to change anything, it would it would maybe be trying to add. Uh, Corona back in because Vera started the, the match, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. I like Vera a lot of holding. Like if you want a solid player to dictate the tempo and and a little bit less defensive than Derek Jones, Vera's your guy. 
but offensively, I still rate Corona a little bit higher. Yeah, for sure. Because of the, the his just, just like it's not like one player is better than the other. I just think we need a little bit more offense than defense when we have Derek Jones, right? Yeah. Uh, I could be mispronouncing his name, Junqua. No, that's right? right. I think that's right. Um, I I he did good. Uh, I mean yeah, Adams. Well. I have definitely. I know there's some Adam slander on Reddit. <laughs> I'm not gonna defend him or 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 attack him, but I think we have a solid option. Like I have no issues with him playing again. If we almost see something I'm not seeing in in the training ground, you know. Yeah. So really, I, the only thing I would change for the for the Portland game is is Corona, and um, any anything y'all saw in the game that y'all want to call out besides Oruti's, um surgeons to the best number nine in the league. Yeah, just a few takeaways here. Um, so we saw kind of the team settle into the game, and then we saw Houston, you know, rely a lot more on the counterattacks to find space, you know, in typical Houston style. Um, it's the way that Ramos has um, played pretty much every game this season, more so than others, but it's kind of like their identity now, I think it's fair to say. Um, obviously, LAFC playing a high line, so it kind of, uh, LAFC style kind of played into hand, into into Houston's hands. But LAFC tried to control possession and relied on, you know, the magic from Rossi, uh, Tuesta and Vela, who was a shell of himself that game. I didn't even recognize Vela. He, I don't know if he just, who? yeah, I don't know if he's such so out of form, uh, that he really yeah. couldn't get anything going, or it was just that he couldn't like the Dynamo defense was that good. Pretty sure it's a mixture of both, but still, they had a little bit of issues breaking down Houston's defense, um, and along with LAFC's, you know, pretty poor uh, finishing. You know that kind of helped um, Houston keep keep it to keep it to just one one goal from LAFC. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, think, I mean uh, LAFC off the ball. I yeah. mean they're good, but on the ball, it's like they they seemed a little different. a little you know static. So they did rely a lot on magic from Rossi and Atuesta the whole game, which isn't too you know. Uh, which is pretty similar to what Houston did because they did rely a lot on some individual quality, specifically Fafinho and Moneyball Pasture, um, who <laughs> continue to show they're they're kind of like Houston's bread and butter offensively. You know, Memo Rodriguez didn't have the best game, and so they relied on Fafinho and and Pasture to constantly, you know, threaten LAFC's defense with pace on the flanks. And they were pretty effective at creating goal scoring chances for Houston uh, through their skill. I mean, we saw. I mean, we have two two on Rees, so like. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw Fafa basically create the opportunity that Uruti ended up you know slotting into into the goal in, pre- in pretty impressive manner actually. But it seems like these two guys, if healthy mm-hmm. and not being rested, I don't think they're being snubbed anytime soon from Ramos's starting eleven. If it if if Pasher and 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 Fafa are taken out of the rotation at the same time for for a non-injury reason I'm rioting like I'm going yeah to I, I don't think that's that's way out there there's <laughs> like no way that's there's, happening there's, there's maybe one you know you want to rest one keep the yeah. other okay and, and it's, I, I'm it's not, not with like, it but and it's, it's not fine. like Pasher had the best game either but honestly like was Darwin Quintero what he did towards the end really that much better than what Pasher did not really so 
I, I, I rate Pastor way too highly, and Pastor makes one. Quintero, and Quintero's not happy. So if you gotta, if you gotta pick, yeah, pick the long term option. You know what I mean? Yeah. But going into that topic, my boy Ted, we're best friends. We grew up together, even though he's probably like forty years older than me. Uh, are y'all excited about the uh, new owner, Ted Siegel? How are y'all feeling? Um, you know. I haven't really read much about it. I mean, we talked about it on a previous podcast when it was kind of a rumor or maybe a little like a rumor plus one, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think number one, from what you showed me earlier, you sent me a tweet earlier today about like how much they bought Houston for. That was that's pretty insane. I, I don't I think I, there's like a bubble going on in the MLS. Because like either that or money tweeted, laundering, I don't know what's going on. Like that's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, okay. So the, the Dynamo and the Dash and the leasing rights to the BBBA were four hundred million. Right? Yeah. But then you have like the Chicago Fire, which I believe are worth the same amount, and they have less assets. So the Dynamo price, when you add up everything together, seems relatively fair. But still, like apparently, Roma was sold for like seven hundred million not too long ago, and stuff like that. Like the, these are definitely kind of um, higher prices than I than I would expect before I got like really into yeah. looking at the numbers. But it it does serve a purpose to show that the MLS is growing, and even though, for sure. in my opinion, the number might be slightly inflated, um, long term, it's still like a great investment. The, the league's gonna grow, especially an NWSL team. You know how I feel about my dash. Yep. Till I die. For sure. Um, and I, I just hope uh, Ted will will bring in some uh, some players. Yeah. Maybe maybe some DPS. Yeah. Please. Like thank you. I think one or two, like m- starting quality players that would put this Houston team, like pretty much as a dark horse. I'd say right now they're kind of like. A slight dark horse like you know they could catch some teams off guard because as we know like not the the best team on paper doesn't always win the soccer match and I think this Houston team is kind of in a way built to upset bigger teams but I think yeah if this mm-hmm. if this management this new management um invests a little bit more on the squad I can you know Houston could definitely be up there given what Todd Ramos has done with what he has been given I, I I hope like I'm good with two options, like a little bit more specific than basically what you said though. Mm-hmm. Either you bring in two DPs, right? Or overall you start piecing things together. Like I'm not I'm not asking him to like pay three million for a Chicharito. <laughs> I understand what type of market we are. Right. I understand the financial restrictions. The man may have. He got to pay bills too, you know? I'm not asking <laughs> him to give up his house. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, like, hey, there's some, like, Oscar Boniac Garcia love the man. You know, I think he's the best center back to ever come out of the MLS, like, since ever. Rate the men very highly. But, you know, you can start, like, when, once he retires in, like, what, a year or two, maybe three, he's 38. I'm not going to ask him to retire, but you know what I mean? You you start building a more like balanced squad in terms of budget. Maybe you get a couple of like maxed out, you know, without using up your DP slot. That, that's an option too. 
I hope, I mean, I think that's more long term. I think in the with like Christian probably leaving, Christian probably leaving. I'm not saying he was like an essential player because at the end of the day, Oruti was starting. But I think we have we have the possibility to add a center back for sure with with Ted. I hope he does that. And I think we have the the the, the ability to either bring in a winger or a striker to be like a second option for the the front three we have. I, I, like Lasseter's pretty good, but besides Lasseter, I don't think we have a solid starter up front. Quintero's uh, obviously out of the running for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, and then Rodriguez, I just prefer at CM. So although he has played left wing, I I think I think he's just so much more valuable uh, near the mid third, setting up the plays. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's I think that's that's fair analysis um, of Houston Dynamo and specifically a little bit on the takeover or the new the new takeover um, that the city of Houston is now under. Um, all right. Anything else quickly before we um, finally move on quickly to Dallas? Ted, if you're if you're listening to this, Ted Lasso, I can get your coffee. <laughs> I can get your <laughs> coffee. I can I can make photocopies. Might as, might as well just make the image of the podcast your resume, right? Like at this point, with the amount of co- the amount of shoutouts. Hire me. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> I, I can do it all. I'm a uh, quick learner. I'm very so passionate about the city. All right, what's, what's y'all's score prediction? All right, I'll make sure to... Start reading out. through my resume. Uh, um, <laughs> score prediction right, for the Portland game, which is Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I think Houston win this 2-0. Believe it or not. I say 1-0, hmm. but I agree that they... I have faith. I think it'll be tight. I have... Hey, in, in Ramos, we depends with Biffy, easy win. If it's not, you know? Yep. In Ramos, think, we trust. Bobby? I think Dynamo tie. Tie. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, right, Austin, man, one. Get, the, get out of here, dude. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, I literally said Austin's going to win 3-0 and come at me 1-1. One, one. Come on. See dude. this man? Like, you know... You know, we talk a little bit about Austin. You know, we we kind of slag on him a little bit. Javi, hey, he just takes it on the chin. But hey, one remark on Houston, and Oscar has to bring out the orange. H <coughs> Town to La Drown. Getting a little too comfortable in that seventh place spot. Getting a little too comfortable. Y'all hear someone? I can't hear y'all outside a playoff scene. That's how oh. I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to skip forward here. All right, but funny enough, look, Dallas is still last place in the Western Conference <laughs> with seven points, but they have seven points in eight games compared to Austin's nine points in nine games. So if Austin but, loses, but it was different expectations. I mean, it was look, different expectations. If Austin, if Austin loses a game and Dallas wins one, they're over by a point. And they're simple math. They get closer simple to Dallas. They get closer to Dynamo. <laughs> this simple man. Math. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, yo. Okay, listen, listen. Can you add this, in the quick math song? The this, one I like. The city, the city of <laughs> Dallas. The city of Dallas. Is, 
is under fire and they're just a, they're <laughs> an arm's reach away from kind of both the Dynamo and Austin, sort of. The projections had FC Dallas being the second coming of FC Barcelona 2008, my guy. <laughs> I don't know how, how else to paint it for. I'm sorry. I will say, though, hey, Brian Acosta looking nice. Hey, he looking clean. He going he gonna to carry them. Don't worry. Hey, just believe in the man. Speaking about defensive midfielders. Okay, whatever. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take a step back. All right. FC Dallas, they tied 1-1 with Minnesota United. Um, you know, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, you brought up Acosta, talking about defensive midfielders. Lucci showed his confidence in his new signing. Fecundo Qui-Gon Jin. That's what I'm calling him from now on. That's his nickname. <laughs> He's here to save the galaxy <laughs> and FC Dallas. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's because it's Q-U-I-G-N-O-N. Qui- I, I pronounce it. I I'm mispronounce saying, everyone's name. I'm names, just saying Qui-Gon. So. Screw it. Fecundo Qui-Gon. <laughs> He's going to listen to this because, you know, all the players listen to the pod and he's going to file a formal complaint that we'll have to deal with later. Uh, So they Dallas signed the 28 year old defensive midfielders from Lanús, which is a club in Argentina, in a two and a half year contract. I think he made like about 140 appearances throughout his career in Argentina for various clubs and has some, you know, pretty major silverware under his belt including a Copa Libertadores in 2014 and a Super Copa Argentina during the 2015-2016 season with San Lorenzo so he's he, you know he's got a bit of a, a, a of a winner's um attitude and he's kind of seen around Dallas as a replacement for Diego Santos um in the eyes you know in the eyes of many but you know being a TAM level signing is you know Fairly good work by the Dallas front office, in my opinion, given the fact that Dallas don't have to break the bank to bring a player of uh, Facundo Qui-Gon's resume. This could end up being, I think, one of the more underrated signings this season. Um, Name a better story than the Argentines coming and <laughs> just being regarded as like the greatest things to ever exist. No, but I, I mean, mean like, I agree, though. It's he has look and I watched the game and I know some Dallas fans didn't necessarily like the game from him, but I think he he provided pretty good outlets and paired really well with Acosta. Oh, I, no, he did. I, I liked him. He, yeah, he's good. He, he had a, he had a great game. I mean, obviously, he's not a type of player or plays a position that really statistically will um, or on paper, the stats aren't going to like jump out at you and you'd be like wow he scored this many this many goals but i think he provided mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of um support in the midfield and also did well mm-hmm. to cover the back line a bit defensively i think he put in a quite a bit of tackles he pressed really well and he kind of covered a little bit of tafari or tafari i don't know how to pronounce um his name who made his mls debut in place of matt hedges uh, who has a hip injury and bresson who was finalizing his green card which actually went through I want to say yesterday, I'm pretty sure. So that means now with that, um, with Bresson no longer occupying an international roster slot, um, Dallas now has nine of its 10 international roster slots currently occupied thanks to, you know, the transaction. And this comes just in time for them to add one more international uh, uh, player. Oscar Aguilar. (laughs) <laughs> during the upcoming transfer window 
that is set to open in early July. So, you know, Dallas kind of making some some sneaky moves there. Um, but yeah, I think I think he had a, a pretty good game. And and overall, I think he's going to become a player that the Dallas fans uh, truly fall in love with. I, I like I like this game. I like this game a lot uh, against against Minnesota. I agree. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Ricardo Pepe, my boy. Yep. Hey, he continued. <laughs> he continued. You know what's the funniest thing about that? Did you see how Hara almost just ran in front of the shot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Imagine if that just came off of Hara, who I don't even <laughs> think we're going to mention. I He was, I'm not even going to. I've, Look, all I'm saying, Ricardo Pepe should be the number nine. I, yeah. Two, you agreed week two. Well, yeah. we kind of talking about week two. Like, I won't put words in your mouth. No, but, I, I started. Uh, I started. I went. I went. <laughs> it's funny because we almost, I think we finally are on the same page in terms of like Pep, the Pepe Hara saga on the podcast. Because I started slagging off Hara and you started, you know, give him time. He's got quality. And then. As the podcast continued, right, through the season, then I started saying, okay, I, I'm trusting Hara more. Give him a chance. And then you started slagging off on Hara a little bit more. So you go peppy. <laughs> and then I feel like we're coming back up on the waves. And I think we're finally meeting, like, on the right spot where it's just, like, I think Peppy's the guy now. I think finally we're on the same page. You know, sometimes you buy a TV and you regret the purchase. And it was a thousand dollars. In this case, it was seven hundred thousand dollars, or around that amount. You know, <laughs> you just gotta live with it. You just gotta live with it. You want to win games, or you want to use the TV you don't want to use. You know, uh, hey, I like I like my analogy here. Ricardo Pepe should be the number nine. You know, Ricuarte at Cam is just the, the second coming of like Paulo Dybala. Uh, like, come on, dude. What? You know, I, they have a good team. They're 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 struggling to find the wins, but I think the lineup just not necessarily the system. The lineup they used this past game was the best one they've had yeah. against a team mm-hmm. that is severely underrated and probably, in my opinion, one of the worst matchups. Just given the way FC Dallas played, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's safe to say that Luchi Ball falls short again. <laughs> in this match um even though it did have it did have its moments but i think they just gave minnesota just way too much space and time on the ball especially during that first half mm-hmm. um which is where the goal came from i mean the goal wasn't com- like <coughs> super convincing either but you know um i guess they were rewarded for their efforts i mean they were no one can really fault can say they didn't deserve that you know minnesota was far better that first half but, you know, Dallas came back in the second half with higher intensity and made it really difficult for Minnesota to replicate what they did in the first half. Um, and, of course, we talked about it. Eventually, this performance by Dallas or kind of the resurgence in the second half was kind of, you know, um, culminated into Ricardo Pepe's curler um, that equalized the game in, I think, like the 68th minute. Um, mm-hmm. But I think one of, interesting enough, I think one of the big takeaways here is Ferreira's performance off the bench. I think that was really inspiring for fans. Um, of course, mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans were were happy to see Paxton Pomichol in the starting lineup for, 
for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Jesus Ferreira off the bench, finally out of the out of the injury list. Um, began the second half that brought you know, I think most of the excitement in the night, and I think he he was a player that was explosive at times, and he also contributed in that exchange with um, Hollingshead, which led to Ricardo Pepe's goal. Which, by the way, that Hollingshead pass was. That was class. He like <laughs> he like double tapped X with his controller. The little like chip pass on FIFA. Do you know what I'm talking All about? All right, dude. All right. Javi, do you know what I'm talking about? I know it. I know it. It was you basically... acting like I never played FIFA. I like how he went to Javi. Like I haven't played FIFA. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, dude. I mean, you haven't played this I mean, year. I mean, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's be honest. You, we we, you, we you made want... it to D2, Javi. What you mean? I mean, it feels like you haven't played this year. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, it's like it's not like y'all play FM with me. So <laughs> it goes both ways, brother. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I think Ferreira's performance was inspiring. I think it'll give Lucci a lot to think about uh, in terms of how he's going to structure the the Dallas offense um, against I think LAFC. Yep, LAFC this Wednesday. Um, so I think I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he throws out there. Um, I don't know if he necessarily starts Ferreira again, but I think he's definitely coming off the bench um, to give Dallas a little a little NOS boost in the second half, um, depending on, on how, how the game goes. But overall, I think the performance was pretty much par for the course when you look at the season. I mean, it's tough. Dallas continue last place in the Western Conference, tied with Vancouver, uh, each with seven points and eight games played. They were, again, a team that was... You know, they they had their ticket to the playoff before the, according to experts, before the season even started. But they're struggling. They're struggling a lot. Um, I think, I think fans need to realize that it, it is it is a bit of a marathon, you know, the season. But it looks like Dallas are out of gas, and they've got so much to go. You know, I, I think it's going to take a a few performances and very convincing ones for this train to, uh, you know, start back up again. And I mean, they have a very tough schedule ahead. Yeah. So they play LAFC tomorrow, 930. Yeah, 930 Central. Mm-hmm. I'll be asleep 1030 sharp, boy. So hey, y'all going to have to catch me up on the last few minutes. <laughs> Oh, but, <laughs> the one night, the one night you don't want to stay past, out past ten thirty, right? Well, I've I've changed my sleep schedule. I'm an yeah, adult. Now. I smoke oh, cap, but all anyways. Right. All right, all right, dudes. Oh, Y'all ahead. acting like I didn't wake up four a.m. to drive to Dallas to go cover ahead. Dallas. Come on, <laughs> go ahead, brother. All right, they play New England on Sunday at eight p.m. New England. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, it's a tough one. That's they play Vancouver, which is it gets a little it's a little breather. Even so, even though Vancouver is basically the same results as them, you know. But in comparison to LAFC and New England, it's a little bit easier on paper. A bit of a. But then they play LA Galaxy. They play Portland. They play Colorado, and then they play LA Galaxy. So, I think I think by by the end of July, we know whether FC Dallas is making the playoffs or not. Yeah. IMO for sure. IMO. For sure. If not for sure, like if if not certain, a pretty good indicator. Like if if the tables haven't turned turned um 
turntables. Yeah, in, in terms of in terms of performance for Dallas, mm-hmm. like we're seeing a much better cohesive squad with you know players finally clicking, especially in that attacking in the final third. I mean, I mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that they're it's looking very 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 unlikely that this team is going to end up um, in the Western Conference playoff bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lucci, if you're hearing this, you need an assistant coach. I mean, I love my I'm boy Lucci, but... Also, and I, and I still Lucci's quickly... fit. Okay, never mind. No, no, like, quickly, I was going to say, like, and I still don't know if it's the system or the players. Like, I just... Both, it's so It's so hard to tell. Like, it's so hard to tell. I just... I think Lucci's system would work with other players. Well, one of his five systems, the one that actually works. <laughs> yeah. And and I think the players would work under pretty much any other system that's less complex. Because they like out of the three teams we cover, right? I do yeah. I still think FC Dallas has the best squad depth by far. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree. It's just not being utilized to their to their potential. I, you know? I guess speaking about it now a little bit, it's convincing me because I think it is a bit of the manager's responsibility to get the best out of the the quality of the players he has. So I I, I think it does fall on Lucci now. I, I think I'm I'm a little like sixty five thirty five on Lucci, you know. Um, I, I think you gotta give him the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent. Like in moments, it works, but it's just mm-hmm. it's just not clicking. The players just aren't clicking. I just like like just looking at Reddit, right? And just like general yeah. commands. Mm-hmm. I don't think FC Dallas' solution is to fire Lucci, whether it be now or end of season. Yeah, probably. I not. I, I think probably I think not. you stick with him another year and have him figure it out because he's a good coach. Hasn't worked out for him, but like you know, you just gotta have a little faith. And they have the right players; they made the right additions. I think the. Uh, I wonder when Hara's contract ends. That's a you great when, question. When, when you can get rid, if you can return the TV I, I wanna, and buy something else. I want to say like two years from now. I'm not well, sure. Let's make it one. Where's the lawyers at? <laughs> I love Hara though. I think I think he's a good player. He's underperformed severely. Yeah, oh, I mean, I would really like to see this team turn things around. I think it would make it really interesting because then you'd have basically all three Texas teams. Maybe not. Maybe not Houston. Um, I think Houston would be a little higher on the playoff bracket than seventh. But then it'd be interesting because you def. I think you would definitely have Austin in that. In that mix now with their four game home stretch after this uh, after this game against Minnesota on Wednesday, and then you'd have mm-hmm. Dallas if they're able to turn things around. You know they made a couple signings here, um, and if they finally start to click a little more, they do have a tough schedule. But if they do somehow are able to make things work, then you'd have Austin and Dallas fighting for a seventh spot, and you'd also have Houston, um, you know, fighting for. For better seating, if not, hopefully not, you know, fighting for that seventh spot as well. I think that would be very interesting. For sure. And just uh I, I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. His contract ends end of twenty twenty two season. So one more year after this. Oh, one more year. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think mean, that, that there's like an option to extend. Maybe because 
that's the that's the wording used, but sure they can they can part ways if they wish by twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yep. All right. Quickly before we end things, um, I just want to give a shout out to Jimmy Maurer. He also had again a great performance. I think he's been one of the most consistent players for Dallas. I mean, the man's pretty much a pretty much a wall at this point. Like it's really tough to get by him. And I think he played a, a significant role of shutting down Minnesota's, you know, onslaught in the final minutes of the game and 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 being able to and being able to give Dallas a uh a point a point um out of the game which was uh, you know at times in the game looking looking very unlikely but yeah like we said it'll be interesting to see how they they uh perform on the road now against an underperforming as i think it's fair to say uh LAFC which if we're talking about Lucci if we're already talking about Lucci under fire a little bit i think Bob Bradley is definitely it's definitely under fire by, if not, you know, the board, definitely by fans at this point, given what, what LAFC have. But anyways, that's going to be an interesting um, managerial duel. You know, two managers kind of struggling a little bit. Um, they play 9.30 p.m. Central Time on on a Wednesday. But I think that kind of wraps up this, this podcast. Um, yeah, guys, quickly, where can people tweet at you for any of the of good MLS stuff or, or just football in general, or where can people find you on, on uh, Twitter or just social media? Adame underscore Hav on Twitter. All right. Oscar. Uh, minus OJ Aguilar 16. And if any of the coaches saw my, my, my request for an interview, I can send you my resume. Thank you. <laughs> like we said, the resume will be the uh, the picture for this podcast. So don't worry, just check it out. You'll see it on there. At this point, it might as well be. This thing's like a an hour and 15 minute um, elevator pitch. Um, you guys can find me. You guys can tweet at me um, at SprietoJR. Also, you guys can follow the podcast on Twitter uh, at Final Third Pod. You guys will be notified when we have, you know, article pieces, blogs, podcasts uploaded, and it's a good way to just keep up with um, our content in general. We also have a website, um, if you prefer that, finalthirdpod.com, where you'll see um, all of the content up there and archived. Make sure to leave a follow um, on, I think, I think Spotify added like a follow um, option mm-hmm. now on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I checked that out today. So you guys can now follow us on both. Um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever one you prefer, and pretty much um, all podcast uh, so mediums, really apps. With technology because the follow <laughs> button has been there a hot minute. Uh, wasn't this it the subscribe thing. button or am I getting that confused with Apple? But anyways, whatever. That's Apple. Uh, okay. Right. Subscribe, follow, I you know. Just keep going. And pretty much, I think we're pretty much on every single website slash application you can get pandora breaker amazon music (laughs) i'm slaving away y'all click on everything thank you yeah so follow subscribe rate leave a comment leave a review um really helps all the interaction helps the (laughs) helps the podcast grow um thank you to the listeners uh for listening to this episode and we will catch you all in the next one peace